Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. Before I read Deuteronomy chapter 8, let me just give you a historical background. Now, yung Deuteronomy po ay sinulat po ni Moses, particularly para doon po sa mga Israelites who were about to enter the promised land. Uh, sila po yung second generation. In other words, sila po yung mga anak po ng mga tatay, mga magulang na lumabas po sa Egypt. And so they were about to enter the promised land after 40 years in the wilderness. After 40 years. And we realize that there is an assurance. It's almost like it's a sure thing, if babasahin po natin yung book of Deuteronomy, it's almost like a sure thing that they will possess the land. And if we consider po yung situation at the time, they said na it was the right time for Israel to conquer the promised land because 40 years had passed at yung Egypt po ay wala na pong interest at this point to conquer Palestine or yung pong Canaan or yung pong promised land na binigay ng Panginoon. Yung power naman po in the north because yung Egypt is in the south. At that particular time, wala din po silang interest to conquer this piece of land in the middle of, you know, this Mediterranean Sea. Kaya po ang sabi dito na Ang Israel ay wala pong destruction sa kanila pong focus, but just to conquer the land. It was the best time for them to conquer the land. And so, because it was sure, the book of Deuteronomy was given or was written by Moses. Now, yung latest po na scholarship, ang sabi po ay ang book of Deuteronomy was written like a covenant. It's written like a covenant. Ano po ba yung covenant, no? Ang Panginoon ay magpapakilala sa kanya pong sarili, I am the God, and then magbibigay siya ng history na ito yung pinakita ko sa inyong grasya. And then the most part will be yung tinatawag po nilang stipulation. Yung stipulation po yung po yung nakapaloob doon sa agreement between God and His people. Ito po yung book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 is parte po siya ng tinatawag po nilang general stipulation. No general stipulation. Or kaya, again, requirements, demands na hinihingi po ng Panginoon sa Israel. Particularly, yung Deuteronomy chapter 8 po talks about the importance of God's Word. Na dito po sa relasyon ng Panginoon at sa kanyang mga, mga people, His Word is central. No, His Word is central. Ganun po ka-importante yung salita po ng Panginoon. Kaya yung ating pag-aaralan po this morning talks about the value of God's Word. Yung kahalagahan po ng salita po ng Panginoon. Kaya yung title po natin this morning is Living by the Word. Living by the Word and I gave a subtitle. We will basically answer the question, how much should the church value God's Word? Gaano ba natin dapat pahalagahan ang salita po ng Panginoon? Basically, we will revolve around that 
idea this morning. So let me ask you to stand from your seats as we read Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy 8, I'll read the whole chapter. The whole commandment of the Lord that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor your fathers did, nor did your fathers, that he might make you know that men does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear you out, wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God was bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of the hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the land, good land he has given you. Say care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, and he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is today. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after the gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So you shall perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. The word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. As beautiful as it is, Lord, we do not have the capacity to understand it the way it should be understood apart from your spirit. And so, Lord, we ask for your 
work in our hearts and in our minds. As we hear your word, we pray that the Holy Spirit's work, our teaching ministry, would work in our hearts and minds. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me take your seats. The craze, o yung pong focus ng mundo po ngayon ay yung tinatawag po nating effectiveness. No, na bordering, if not, if not outright idolatry. I believe so. Na talagang ang sinamba po, isa po sa mga sinasamba ng mundo po natin ngayon ay yung effectiveness. I say that it is pagsamba na po, hindi lang mong po siya parang simpleng problema, but talagang pagsamba because makikita po natin na values are sacrificed for the sake of effectiveness. Many people who would close their eyes with, you know, unrighteousness because if they will do the righteous thing, then they would not be, quote-unquote, effective. And so idolatrous already and worshipped by our world today, para lang magiging effective, that effectiveness has become the measure of right and wrong. Hindi na po yung salita ng Panginoon. Many times, but it is how effective you are. If a thing is working, somehow, it must be righteous. Dahil nag-work yung isang bagay. Now, is effectiveness indeed everything? Magandang katanungan po ayon, no? Which could be applied not only as a church, but every individual in this room today. Talaga bang tama na isakripisyo natin lahat para lang magiging effective? Or as a church, should we compromise our values in order to be successful or to be effective? Now, ito pong Deuteronomy, far from calling the Israelites sa kanila pong pagpasok sa Canaan, natalang po natin itong Canaan. No, yung grabe po yung sinfulness, uh, grabe po yung immorality in the land, Grabi pong idolatry in the land. But far from calling the Israelites to study Canaan, uh, para lang po maging effective itong mga Israelites, God did not call them to study the culture, but rather to study the Word. To study His Word, to be reminded of His Word before they enter, and so that what they will do in the promised land is to simply apply I-apply lang po nila yung kanila pong natutunan in God's Word. And that is a picture of how we are supposed to live in this world, isn't it? No, na sa atin po mga sitwasyon sa buhay, ang buhay natin is simply to apply what we know of God's Word. And many times, I understand many times, if we simply apply God's Word into our situation, we too get to be effective. Now, we're not anti effectiveness. Please understand because as we do the righteous thing, many times we're also effective in what we do. But it is obedience to God's word that is everything. 
Now, I'll be circling around this idea today. I want you to take this one home. Simple, very simple message. Every Christian should know that the Word of God is more valuable than anything. That the Word of God is more valuable than anything so that they will devote themselves to knowing, obeying, and proclaiming God's Word. Let me say that again. Lahat po ng Kristiyano ay dapat naiintindihan nila yung kahalagahan po ng salita ng Diyos, which is more important than even our food, so that igugugol natin yung buhay natin sa pagtuklas, apply, and share yung salita po ng Panginoon. That's basically our message today. How important is it for God? Para sa Panginoon, that the church would understand the value of His Word to their individual and corporate lives. So ang malalaman po natin dito, gaano ka-importante sa Panginoon na ang iglesia ay naintindihan nila ang halaga ng salita po ng Diyos. Deuteronomy 8 po, ma-divide natin into verses 1 to 6 and then 7 to 14, which will become our points today. First point, God showed all His goodness in faithfulness to His Word, that His people might understand that His Word is more valuable than anything. Ang lahat po ng ginawa ng Panginoon ay pagpapakita po ng Kanya pong katapatan sa Kanyang salita upang maintindihan natin kung gaano kahalaga ang salita po ng Panginoon. Now Israel, were about to enter again the promised land and God prepared them for this very thing. Pini-prepare po sila ng Panginoon bago sila papasok dito sa promised land. You see that one in verse 1 because this is the single most important thing that would determine their prosperity and stay in the land. Kumbaga, kung mag-prosper sila sa land of Canaan or hindi sila palalayasin ng Panginoon sa land of promise or promised land, inakasalalay po dito sa kanilang obedience sa Panginoon. It has never been about how great their enemies or how great they were. It has always been about how great God is. Forty years. Look at verse 2 of your Bible. Forty years. Forty years. It's designed to teach one thing. And by the way, they said that 40 years is like one whole lifetime, which makes us understand that if there's one thing we should know in all of our lives, it is found in verse 3. And verse 3 says, this is what God has been teaching them, that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Look at how important it is to God. This is easy to memorize, isn't it? Like, after this sermon, you can go and memorize that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. In fact, this is easy to explain. You can very well explain this. But the word know in verse 3, when he said that he might make you know, circle that word, know there, is not intellectual or informational knowledge alone. It is not to tell you to study it, so that as you understand it intellectually, then you already know that is not the word no here. 
It is a relational knowledge. We know this, husbands and wives. When we talk about relational knowledge, it is an intimate knowledge. If you may, I'll put it this way. One which speaks of a heart understanding. Heart understanding, or to simply put it, that you really know. You really know this thing. Let me illustrate this kind of knowing to us. Psalm 46 verse 10, for example, says, Be still and know that I am God. That's easy. I can explain this. This passage means when everything falls apart, when everything falls apart, when the pandemic hits, don't panic because God is God and He is in control, isn't it? But the word know here does not simply explaining it. The word know here, I'd like to show to you how this knowing means. This is Jesus. Slipping on the cushion, remember, natutulog si Jesus at the back of the boat when there was storm. That was different from the disciples who I believe also understood the love of God and the control of God. And yet, when storm hits them, what happened? They were panicking. This knowing then is to understand something wherein it shapes your heart and your responses to everything that would happen in your life. This is the kind of knowing that we're talking about here. It is a knowledge wherein you put all your trust into that knowledge. Put all your trust into that knowledge. This is the knowing. Deuteronomy 8.3, no wonder it says that God might make you know. That this kind of knowing is not simply a result of our study. It is a kind of understanding that only God can make us understand. What I want us to understand here is how important, look at that, how important was it for God that Israel would know the value of His Word? We already know that 40 years, think about it. 40 years for one lesson, for one lesson, that they may understand the value of God's word. Let's look at Genesis 8. Sorry. I've been doing this one, even this morning when I reviewed, I still say Genesis instead of Deuteronomy. For those of you our visitors this morning, we've been in the series of Deuteronomy. Oh, Genesis. <laughs> and I'm used to say Genesis. So Deuteronomy chapter, even in my outline, it's Genesis 8. Deuteronomy 8, 2 to 6. Look at verse 2. The Israelites were to remember the whole way. And if you are somebody who highlights your scripture, highlights the whole way, that's important there. Remember the whole way that the Lord their God led them these 40 years. And notice that the word Lord there is the covenant name of God, Yahweh, but it has a connotation of relationship. Okay? In the context of relationship. This is why Moses also said that the Lord is your God. Now, why am I emphasizing the context of relationship? Because the question then becomes, in this relationship with God, in your relationship with God, what is it that he wanted you to understand? What is it that he wants you to really understand? Now, the whole way here means 
the manner by which God dealt with them these 40 years. And Moses said it was to humble them. Now, hindi po ibig sabihin, ipahiya sila ng Panginoon. One commentator wrote, the humbling in verse 2 and verse 3 intended in the hardships that our experience is not calculated to humiliate or demean. The Hebrew word used here, ang ginagamit mo dito, has connotations of poor, afflicted. To be humble then is to be led to an awareness of meager resources. In other words, yung paghumble po dito sa Panginoon has, has something to do dun sa wilderness na kung saan sapat lang ang pre-novide sa kanila ng Panginoon. And wilderness alone would have already explained kung ano po yung ibig sabihin ng humble way. Yung whole way na ito na to humble them. Because sa uh, wilderness, we know that it is a place of luck. No water, no food. And they would have to depend on God all the time. And look at verse 3. We don't have to go somewhere else. Verse 3 says, And he humbled you, how? And let you hunger. Or in verse 6, 15, which says, Who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. This was the humble way that God led them. A place of meager, if you may. In fact, verse 3 says, let you hunger. Humble means. And there are two purposes why God allowed them. Two purposes kung bakit inalaw sila ng Panginoon ng kung sa atin pahirap. Ano? One, it was diagnostic. It was diagnostic. Look at verse 2. You shall remember the whole way that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And the wilderness has proven that itong mga Israelites were not really, at least the fathers, were not really passionate to obey God. Which we also realize now. this is to reveal if their life's purpose was already to obey God or still just their comforts or convenience. I mean, this pandemic, what has it revealed to you? Did it, did it affect your faith in God? Did you forget God for the sake of seeking for something that you might be sustained? Or this pandemic has only shown you that your trust is in the Lord? Is it not true that difficulties would reveal what is most important to us? Tama po ba? Na yung hira po ay would only reveal kung ano yung importante sa atin. So it was diagnostic. Secondly, it was for teaching purposes. Pinadaan sila ng Panginoon ng 40 years dun sa wilderness to teach them something. Verse 3. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna. We'll be looking at that later. Which you did not know nor did your fathers know that he might make you know 
There's the purpose. He humbled you that he might make you know. Teaching purpose. And what is it that God wants to teach them? That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, before we focus on what did God teach them, let's see how did God teach them. This one thing, this one lesson. And look at the elaboration. Now, yung inexplain po ni Moses, yung after niya sinabi, he humbled you. Look at what he said again. He said, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with mana. Now, I thought before that, ang ginawa ng Panginoon, ginutom sila, and that's all. And that's true. God provided them. But look at this. Look at the point of this passage. Feeding them with mana. Feeding them with mana. Alam po natin yung mana. It's a bread from heaven. It's sky flakes. Now God provided them with the dew. And when the dew dries up, it becomes like a flake. That's mana. God provided them in a way that they would never think that they would, it would never cross their mind. That in the wilderness, the way to be sustained is through this manna from heaven. They did not expect this. They did not, this would never came across their mind. And the message is clear. The message is clear. God could provide for them in a way that would never cross their mind or never come across their mind. And isn't it true even today? That when God provides for us, it is always, or many times, it is in a way that you never expected. That's who our God is. And this manna that God provided satisfied their hunger. And this is not only confined to their daily food, but in every need that they have in the wilderness. That's why verse 5 also said, Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell. If you jump to verse 15 to 16, God also brought water out of the rock. In other words, God satisfied their needs, is epitomized, no parang, <laughs> by the manna. It was, that idea is captured. The idea that God satisfied their needs was captured by the provision of the manna. And by that, God proved to them that I am your satisfaction. I am your greatest need. I am the one who satisfies you. However, look at how Moses connected this to what the Lord really wanted to teach them. Look at verse 3 again. He humbled you and let you hunger, so he let you hunger, so that God would provide them manna to prove to them, to prove to them that I can satisfy you. But it did not stop there. It says, God did this that he might make you know, that he might make you know, there is an object lesson. There is an object lesson that God wants to point out. And the object lesson is this. That just as I have satisfied your physical hunger with mana, 
I will satisfy your true need by my word. The mana there symbolized the word of God. And notice how Moses worded this. Man does not live by bread alone. I mean, you hear me. You do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. How does man live? He lives by what? Let's throw in more questions so that our point would be clear. What will sustain us in life? What would preserve us? What will sustain the Israelites in the wilderness and even as they enter the promised land? What will sustain them in all of their lives? Most especially when life hits at the hardest. The answer is not holding on to physical things. The answer to that question is to hold on to God's word. Man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Israel was sustained in the wilderness through the daily manna. Or that Israel was sustained in the wilderness through the daily manna. Is a picture of how they will truly be sustained. And how they will truly be sustained is trusting in the promises of God. Trusting in the word of God. This is Moses' point here. And this is not hard to understand. Imagine the Israelites. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. And you go crazy. You would like, I want to come up with my food. I want to work. I want to do business. What business do you do in, in the wilderness? Right? God puts them in the wilderness for one single reason. That they would be brought to the end of themselves. And so, what will sustain your sanity? Or kumbaga, hindi ka mawawala ng bait in the wilderness because you could not think where to get your food. The way to sustain that one is to trust in God's word. That is how important the word of God and that speaks to us today that the way to life is not to have a bank account. The way to have a peace in this life and restedness in this life, assurance and security in this life, is not to kill ourselves to work. It is by knowing God's word and holding on to the word of God. Forty years in the wilderness was God's way of processing them and teaching them that they might understand one thing, the value of God's word. We are turning two years have we understood this? And if we consider all the years that we have been together as a church, 10 years, 11 years, have we understood this? Do we understand that the value of God's word is more than physical food? You have verse 5 and verse 6. Let me just quickly read this. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines, his son, the Lord, 
your God disciplines you. The word discipline here is not punitive per se. The word discipline here is learning experience because of the word humble and test in verse 2. He disciplines them for what? Look at verse 6. So, the result of that discipline, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and by fearing Him. So look at how Moses highlighted this truth. Very beautifully, and again, I would like to reiterate, Moses has become my lodi in terms of writing. Look at how he highlighted the importance of understanding the value of God's word to the community of faith that he singled it out. Alam mo yun, kadami-dami na for sure natutunan sa wilderness, but Moses singled it out. Yung isang kaisa, isang lesson that he wants them to carry with them, and that is the value of God's word. What this doctrinally teach us, ang tinuturo po nito is the centrality of the word of God in God's covenant with his people. If his covenant should stand, listen, you see, covenant is our relationship with God. If God's covenant with us should stand, His word should be perfectly obeyed. God's relationship with us, God's covenant cannot stand unless He is perfectly obeyed. That is the reason why Adam failed because he did not obey the commandments of God. That is why Noah failed because Noah did not obey the commandments of God. Moses failed because he did not perfectly obey God. Israel failed because they did not perfectly obey God. The church, we failed because we do not obey God perfectly. But our relationship with God or the people's relationship with God cannot stand unless the covenant would be perfectly obeyed. And that is the reason why Jesus... Though he was not like Adam who had everything in the garden, and he was not like Israel who had manna to eat, Jesus did not have any food for 40 days. He did not have any food for 40 days, and yet he understood what Moses said in Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. Because he would rather die in hunger than disobey God's word. It is the point when Jesus quoted this text. Hungry, 40 days without any food, and he has the power to turn stones into bread. And yet Jesus said, I would rather die physically than disobeying God's word. When he quoted, man does not live by bread alone. That man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. In fact, he did not die in that wilderness. But we know that because of his obedience to the Father, he eventually died to the point or in the cross of Calvary. That's why Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the Father. And that's why Jesus is not called in the scripture as one who obeyed, but he is even called as the word became flesh. If not of Jesus' perfect obedience, there would have been no hope for those who disobeyed the word of God. There would have been no hope for the church, believers of all generations. There would have been no hope for Adam. There would have been no hope for Noah, for Abraham, for Moses, for David, for Israel, the believing Gentiles. 
there would have been no hope. And here's the good news. Hebrews 5 verse 8 to 9. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who believe. And that's why he did not offer to God. Hebrews 10, 5 to 7 wrote, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but you prepared a body for me. In burnt offerings and offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. You have given me this body. Then I said, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. This is how central is the word of God. That the covenant of God would not stand. Hindi po yun makakatayo unless it is perfectly obeyed. This is why, listen, salvation, ang kaligtasan po, is to see the one who perfectly obeyed. Specifically, to see the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that Peter himself said that the gospel is the word. He said in 1 Peter chapter 1, 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. You have been born again through the living and abiding word of God. If you are here for the first time, kung bisita po namin kayo, understand po ito na ang kaligtasan, wala pong kaligtasan unless ang salita po ng Diyos ay ma-obey perfectly. At dahil ang Panginoong Yesus lang ang nakapag-obey every Word, every commandment, every dot, every iota of the law of God, then salvation is not by obeying God's law. Salvation is trusting the one who obeyed perfectly the law of God. Salvation is near you. The Bible said, if you confess in your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus, that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you will be saved. The only thing that God wants you to understand right now is to understand that you cannot stand before a holy God because you are sinful. But praise be to God that the innocent came here to live the life you cannot live and he paid your sins on the cross of Calvary and he proved, or his resurrection proved that he indeed has paid your sins and he indeed is Lord. Put your faith in Jesus and see him as your Lord and Savior. God showed all His goodness in faithfulness to His Word that His people might understand that His Word is more valuable than anything. More valuable. Everyone who understands kung gaano ka-central yung salita po ng Panginoon sa kanilang relationship sa Panginoon knows the value of God's Word. Is the word of God more valuable than food? I mean, if you are in Jesus' situation, there's no going on around here. We cannot say that I value God's word, but how about my career? How about my provision? How about my family? How about my daily food? Because I love this. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, it compares it to the most important thing in life, which is food. And yet Moses said, the word of God is still more important than that one. So we can say that we value God's word, but if we do not value it, 
Kung hindi po natin pinapahalagan to more than anything else, we are not valuing it for what it is. As a church, we want to understand the real value of God's word that we would make our obedience to it as our priority more than anything in a world which worships effectiveness. This leads us to the second point. God will make his people understand the value of his word that they might seek to know, obey, and proclaim it. So pinapaintindi ng Panginoon yung kahalagahan ng kanyang salita upang yung kanya pong mga anak would spend their lives knowing, obeying, and proclaiming his word. I will not look on the details on verses 7 to 20. I'll just capture the heart of this passage and proceed right away to our practical applications. Verses 7 to 20 explains why there is a need for them to learn God's word. And look at verse 7. It starts with the word for. For. So he was about to give them the reason why they need to understand the value of God's word. And Moses proceeded to explain essentially that Israel should know the value of God's word because they were about to enter a good land. That's strange. God is saying, I'm preparing you for 40 years because you'll enjoy life. Like, Why would you prepare me for 40 years if I would just enjoy life in, in the promised land? What is there to prepare? Prepare me if difficulty is coming. But prosperity is coming. Why would you prepare me essentially for 40 years for that very blessing? As strange as it might be, but we understand how dangerous prosperity is. How dangerous it is when life is comfortable and convenient. And Moses is not apologetic to tell them the danger. But when prosperity comes, here's the danger. You will forget the Lord. You'll forget the Lord your God. Look at verse 11. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God. Look at verse 14. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Look at verse 19. And if you forget the Lord your God. So there is one thing that Moses is trying to keep them from falling into. That they have to understand the value of God's word so that when prosperity comes, it will not cause them to forget God. Let us simply read verses 11 to 18, for it is very much explanatory. It reads, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God, by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes, which I command you today, lest, when you have eaten and are full, and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. You have become rich. Verse 14, Then your heart be lifted up, and you forget that the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness, with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground, where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this well. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant, 
that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Moses' point is clear. How could you forget the God who saved you from slavery and fed you all your needs in the wilderness? I mean, listen to the question. Could you ever forget the God who saved you? The answer to that is no. And if ever you forget God, it only shows that you do not understand His saving grace to your life. In our own way of saying that if you ever forget God, it only shows that you are not a believer in the first place. That you have not really understood the gospel of Christ. That you have not really understood what it means for God to be holy and for you to be sinful. And for Jesus to die for your behalf. That is why, verse 18 to 20, we are told that if ever it happens, it only shows that you do not truly believe. You will perish like the rest of these nations. You see the point? True believers will not forget God. True believers will not forget God. It is impossible. But look at how Moses connect forgetting God and the word of God. Look at verse 11 with me quickly. Take care lest you forget God. How? By not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes. Forgetting God is equated to not keeping his word. The psalmist, when he looks at these Israelites who recited the word of God, but do not apply God's word. He called them in Psalm 50 verse 22. He says, mark this, you who forget God. When you are not obeying God, it is amounting to forgetting God. Jesus said in John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Paul, after giving us a beautiful picture of the mercies of God, he said, present your bodies as holy as your living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. But look at the centrality of God's word. In verse 2 of Romans 12, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Implied is our mind is renewed by the constant supply of God's word. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It is by the word of God that our lives can truly be pleasing and acceptable before God. And again, this shows the centrality of God's word. That's why we said, God will make his people understand the value of his word that they might seek to live by the word. That they might seek to live by the word. In other words, sa atin pong pamumuhay, think about it, we are like the Israelites placed in Canaan. And there are so many values around us, so many things that are going on around us. And God is saying, when you are placed into that situation, do not just simply navigate your way so that you can also be successful in that particular world. No. He said, that's not the way to live. You'll be lost. The way to live in a world, in a very confusing world where 
wrong looks right many times. They still live by the word. This is our direction as a church. And how can we live by the word? I'd like to draw three things. Know the word. If the Israelites would not be conformed to the Canaanites' culture, they should know God's word and simply apply it when they get into Canaan. Romans 12.2, of course, says, we cannot expect ourselves to be transformed and not be conformed to the culture unless there is renewal of the mind. We were talking of direction as we turn two years and what could be the direction but to continue on the one thing that God has already taught us. We have no other plan but what God has already taught us over these years and that is the value of his word. We will just continue with it. Dig deep into the word of God. That's all that we want to do. I would expound that further in my message during our celebration. But we will continue to dig into God's word. That leads us to the second application. Obey the word. Obey the word. What is crazy is the silent idea of the world today that you can actually separate knowledge and life. A lot of educated people has no intention to apply whatever knowledge they have. However, the scriptures teach us that real knowing is that which shapes our lives. And as I've said earlier, it is not simply quoting Psalm 46 verse 10 and say, Be still and know that I am God. What we're talking about here is that truth that God is God would make us live in peace even in times of turmoil. That is the kind of knowing. That is what I mean when we say we apply God's word. The word of God shapes our lives. We will study the word of God well because it is what will renew our minds and be transformed. And listen, church, if God in his goodness and grace will renew our mind by the study of his word, let us not hesitate to apply it into our lives and our practices. In our practice, I have been echoing that we are on a journey of reforming the things that we do. As we look at the word of God, we let the word of God guide us. And if we get to a, a wall where we see the word of God, but it is not our practice, our practice should, should submit to God's word. Certainly, know the word, apply the word, proclaim the word. I believe this third one could not be left out if we truly understood the word. The idea in scripture is that one could not keep himself from sharing God's word if he truly understood and believed it. That is why sharing God's word might be, you know, against every fiber of our flesh. I felt it last Sunday when we were going out to Pateros. I felt it in my own flesh. And I even hear myself saying to my wife, Malu, because we were tired the whole week. Let's not go na lang. 
I felt that every fiber of my flesh does not want to do it. But since this is not simply about feeling, but if we believe in God's word, it should result to proclaiming the word of God. We could never claim, hindi po natin makiklaim na tayo po ay isang healthy church kung hindi po tayo nag-evangelize. Kung hindi po tayo nag-disciple. We are not a healthy church. Or you are not a healthy Christian. You're not. There's something, there's a problem somewhere in, in you and in your understanding if you are content with receiving all these things and never really think of sharing it. There's a problem. We may be seeing ourselves saved, but we might not be seeing at all times the one who saved. Because if we're just seeing ourselves as the one saved, we're okay, we're saved. But if we're seeing the one who saved us, we could not keep it with ourselves but to tell people how beautiful Jesus is. In conclusion, everyone or every Christian, again, this is the idea that we're circling on, should know that the Word of God is more valuable than food so that he will devote, sorry for that, he will devote himself to knowing, obeying, and proclaiming the word of the Lord. Let's come before God in prayer. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that after years of gathering together as a church, Lord, if there's one thing you have taught us, that is the value of your word. And we pray that because we understood, Lord, that your word satisfies our hearts, that we would do nothing but to know it, apply it, and proclaim it. Thank you, God, for the two years of being cruciform life church. It is our continued prayer that your blessing will be upon us. It is our continued prayer that you would sustain us, Lord, in our humility and trust before you so that we would always find ourselves like Jacob. Unless you bless us, we will not let go. For we need you, not only in the big things, but in all things. We love you, Lord. And we give you all the glory and praises for everything you have accomplished. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.